Hello and welcome to Energy Policy Cast, where we share recent research in energy policy. I'm your host, Daniel Sneon. So today we are joined by PhD and international advisor for the Danish Energy Agency, Amalia Pizarro Alonso and Professor Marie Münster. The two have done two interesting studies in the field of waste, focusing respectively on CO2 emissions and the economic value of waste imports as part of the Top Waste project. At the time of research, both were part of the Energy Systems Analysis Group at DTU. And since then, Amalia has crossed the Atlantic to Mexico, and she'll explain a bit more about that later. Marie and Amalia will explain about their project on waste as part of the energy system, and I find this a very pertinent and often neglected topic uh, which ties the energy system to the broader field of environment and resource use. So Amalia, you're not a native Dane, so why did you end up looking at waste in Denmark and then what are you doing now? So it's a long story about going to Denmark, but I went there first because it, Denmark is a front runner with regard to renewable energy and then education at DTU was an ES world class leading regarding renewable energy and sustainable energy. So I ended up being in Denmark and once I was there, uh, I found out waste was a very interesting resource. It's Denmark is uh, one of the countries that landfills the least in the world. And it has a pretty high rate of incineration and especially it provides 20% of the district heating in houses. So it is a very interesting resource and I thought it was worth looking what will be the role of this resource in the future. And Therefore, I did my PhD in energy systems analysis uh, with Marie as my main supervisor. And what I'm doing now, I'm working, I'm using energy systems analysis, but with a broader con- context or concept. Um, we are looking at it from the climate perspective and it's how we can best decarbonize economies and countries. I am the advisor in Mexico City of the Danish Energy Partnership Program. And I work in the twinning between uh, Danish and Mexican institutions and providing government-to-government technical assistance. Right, thanks. So I think we could probably do a whole different podcast on on the subject of Mexican energy, but perhaps that's going to be a later one. So, but Marie, you're also a guest in another another episode of this podcast, but perhaps you can just explain what what about the waste part, what, uh, what motivated you to look at this? Well, actually, um, I used to work as a consultant in uh, in Rampel, and then um, I thought I wanted to to have the opportunity to dive deeper into energy system analysis. And uh, I was lucky enough that there was a PhD position put up, which focused on waste and uh, and the energy system and and how we use waste in the energy system so um, so i did my phd in that and then uh, of course when i finished with my phd there was kind of still issues to explore and then we explored that in a new project called top waste where amalia was then the phd so just to maybe expose how uh, ignorant and and snobbish i was roughly uh, 15 years ago when I entered into to the world of energy, I, I can uh, just between the, the three of us uh, disclose that 
I would think something like this. Why would anyone look at waste? Because, I mean, you're literally and metaphorically getting your hands dirty uh, by looking at this. Why not look at something more flashy like wind turbines or something? So that was my, like, 15 years ago self. Perhaps you can just uh, explain my... my, uh, uh, me in my youthful ignorance uh, why would you look at waste uh, overall and this study particularly specifically i can maybe start just by saying that that uh, i've always find biological processes and in, in, in the conversion of biomass and 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 then also waste uh, interesting so so when i came to research at that time when i started uh, we weren't part of dtu um, a lot of people were studying wind, and and basically what we needed to study was how do we integrate all these wind. So of course one of one of the options is to use biomass and to use waste and so on. So different fuels which you can store more or less well, and which can provide other services than wind power. So um, I think I was supplementing the other people who were studying wind with with this focus on on waste, but also on biomass and, and biomass wastes in general. And I still look at that and how it supplements wind. Makes sense. And I should say, I think I've gotten smarter since since then, since my early days. But uh, And I hope our listeners will be today. Amalia, do, do you have anything to add for, for the motivation for, for looking at these studies specifically? Yes, I think when we look at waste, we should also remember that it's also a waste management strategy. So it's not only about producing energy, it's about handling waste in a safe way. So of course, always the waste hierarchy should prevail, recycling should go first, but once we know it's no longer possible to minimize reuse of recycle, what we can do. And waste incineration is a, is a way to also manage waste in a safe way, while in Denmark, we, are avoid, we were avoiding coal. So we were providing environmental gains by treating waste in an environmental sound way. Yes. Maybe so. we should say that in a, in a global perspective, where there's a lot of uh, more or less well-managed uh, waste deposits, it is a huge uh, climate impact and also an impact on on the local environment in terms of leachate of, uh, from the, the waste disposals. So, so there are a lot of environmental issues connected with bad management of waste that, that you can then avoid by having a sound management of waste. But I completely agree with Amalia. We are talking about residual waste. Uh, we are totally pro-recycling and, and waste minimization. So we're just talking about um, it's difficult to recycle all and uh, you may stand with the residual and, and then what you want to do with that. Mm, that makes sense. But should we then perceive that residual as, as a pure resource, like similar to natural gas that, that could be shipped across borders like, like any other resources? Yeah, so this is the question we are kind of asking in these articles, right? Mm. We're saying, first of all, uh, is it a good idea to import waste to Denmark from an economic point of view? from a societal economic point of view and and second of all is it a good idea from a climate perspective uh, so we're trying to put these two perspectives on the question right right so when we're talking about this this popular term circular economy you already touched upon the, the waste hierarchy 
Um, but how how do we fit? Uh, perhaps just to reiterate, how do we fit waste incineration into the concept of circular economy? It's not recognized in the the European Union. They have the way is circular economy strategy, and incineration is not kind of explicitly part of the strategy, but it's an acknowledge that it's it has preference over landfilling. So. What could happen is that if you have a super big capacity of incineration, you might actually hinder recycling. So these type of articles, we also try to find out what's the optimal capacity. And, and it should be planned very careful because if you end up with overcapacity and you have some like demand of digital heating you want to supply, you might end up not promoting recycling enough. Mm. Nevertheless, if you already have this incineration overcapacity because other reasons, plants were planned, like for example, plants in Denmark were planned a long time ago. Their average lifetime is quite high. So it might still make sense to to import some waste. Um, you will provide environmental gains because as Marie said, you will avoid uh, landfilling with methane emissions in other countries while you are still displacing coal in Denmark. So even if it, does not have an explicit role in the circular economy, it might be preferred over landfilling uh, in some cases. Right, that makes sense. There's, there's also a difference in the in the EU directives in terms of how efficient the use of uh, incineration is. So because we have uh, large district heating systems in Denmark, we can um, burn waste and utilize the energy with a high efficiency, both for electricity and for district heating. And if you have these high efficiency waste incineration plants, they are kind of accepted as um, as, as making good use of the waste and therefore better than, than landfilling. Um, and, and we have an advantage there because we have these large district heating areas where we can make good use of the, of the heat. Mm. So, in, in summary, I, I guess what you're saying is that, that some criticism that's brought uh, against incineration is that, that it decreases perhaps the incentives to recycle and so on and so forth. But Amalia, what you're saying is that uh, with with existing capacity already standing there, there may be good sense in, in utilizing that and then moving on from that at a later point, perhaps. Is, is that correctly understood? Yes. Move. In the future... We should be more careful, and incineration capacity should be planned according to the waste prognosis for Denmark, because there is uncertainty about the role of incineration in the future. But still, it will have a role to play. But recycling should be always the priority. Then if we go uh, sort of back to the basis, because your study is dealing with import of waste to Denmark from other sources abroad. But how, how does this uh, process work in, in practice? So what is the, uh, the process of, of importing waste to Denmark? What, what essentially happens from the source and to, to the incineration plant? Well, so these resource, for example, the type of resource Denmark imports is basically... A 
household waste, some type of residual urban waste that has gone some minor processing, maybe to take out a little of the organic fraction because it's wet and it can decompose, but not so much. So it's basically urban waste that is bale and wrap and sent to their market by zip. So it's it's pretty it's a little it's very similar to the Danish waste that goes to incineration plants. Uh, and then in these incineration plants, this well it's transport by zip and in these incineration plants it's burned as any other waste. So it has emissions related, for example, when you bale it and wrap it, you do it with plastic, then you have some more plastic. Then when you zip it, in case this is by zip, you have some emissions that could be associated to the transport. And when you burn it, you have some emissions related to the burning of the fuel because you will always have some fossil content in the fuel, such as plastic. But then you also have all the things that you avoid. When you burn it, you will displace electricity in Denmark or in the surrounding country because it's a great interconnection. And you will display district heating production specifically from the district heating grid that the insulation plant is located. But furthermore, and that's a very important part, you will also displace another waste management process of this waste that is imported in the sense that for example it could have been landfilling in the country of origin uh, with a um, 50% landfill gas recovery with 75% landfill gas recovery so it has a lot of you might have a lot of different types of landfills and all of this is also avoided so when you account like what's the impact of this waste you need to account what you are inducing, for example, transport and combustion, and what you are avoiding, in this case, electricity, heating, and waste disposal in landfilling. And, and maybe we should say that this is maybe what is special about our study is that we have this more global perspective. Is it a good idea or not? This is not a purely nationalistic perspective. So we are not only looking at it from a Danish perspective, but from the perspective of both Denmark and the country where the 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 waste is imported from, and and it's kind of to to challenge a bit the idea of the European Union that that we should always treat waste closest to the source. So in general, it's a good idea, but sometimes, if a country, for example, if if we're looking at a country that doesn't have district heating, uh, it might sometimes be be beneficial to export it to a country that does have it and can utilize it at higher efficiency. And, and then we can avoid also landfilling if there's no incineration, which is also the case in many countries. Right. So that's a good point. This uh, closest utilization principle is, is probably uh, what... what part of what you challenge in, in this study or at least elaborate on on the benefits of maybe extending those borders a bit beyond the national ones so so in summary on the climate side uh, Amalia you mentioned that there is this uh, the organic fraction and then some fraction based on fossil fuels uh, so that that sort of characterizes the, uh, the the climate impact on waste I suppose but then also you mentioned the the transport part um, 
and I, I for 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 me and for the listeners perhaps it would be interesting to learn what what share perhaps not in very specific terms but the transport part is often discussed uh, as a as a problem but is it actually a significant share of of the overall part of the energy uh, and emissions perhaps and costs so we test a lot of alternatives like what happens if we transport by ship by truck and a lot of different distance and we found out it does not have a significant impact especially if it's transport by ship if it's transport by truck very long distance it might have and then it might be recommended that you look into transport by train and then you just use the truck for the like last mile uh, but in general it does not have a big impact the largest impact will always be associated to the type of electricity and disappearing you displace and the waste process you also avoid in the country of origin and you could always optimize the ways you transport your waste. And for example, if you transport by truck, you can also use like reverse logistics, where you use the truck that is empty on, on its way back, something like that. So, yeah, th that's basically what we found in our study. Right. That that that's that's a good point to include because I think at least uh, in my view it's it's often brought up as a subject. So th thanks for clarifying that. Then finally, I think we've already moved into the the uh, the results of your study. Um, but I'm I'm curious regarding uh, the seasonality of waste use and imports. That that's a topic that you apply in in your studies. So can you just explain what what is the what characterizes seasonality in in waste use? So what happens is, as Marie explained, uh, waste produce a lot of disappearing. In generation power plants uh, do not have such a high electrical efficiency as other plants because the temperature and the pressure is slightly lower. Therefore, a large part of the energy produced and uh, how the energy of the waste is used is through disappearing. And disappearing has a higher value to the society during winter time compared to summertime. Therefore, the import of waste uh, will have a higher value, more from a societal perspective, not so much from a private perspective, uh, during winter time. Because the value of, of the heating provided is higher. Right. That that's uh, that intuitively that makes very good sense, I think. Um, so obviously yeah, you, you get more value when it's cold. Then regarding your, your main results, uh, as I read your papers, it is that uh, on the climate side and the uh, economic side, uh, not only for Denmark, but also in, in broad terms, it makes sense uh, to do this import of waste. Um, and then interestingly, in your study, you also apply a longer time scale. So, so the question perhaps remains, will it continue to make sense uh, into the future? We can split it up. We can say that from an economic po point of view, it continues to make sense. But from an, an environmental point of view or climate point of view, it, it doesn't. So we can say that, that what's happening today um, may looks fine, but in the future, only under very specific circumstances does it continue to look fine. So therefore, we recommend that, as Amalia mentioned, 
we should only have capacity to treat our own residual waste and uh, and then uh, we should push for for the exporting country to find a better waste management uh, for their waste so that um, it is not left on landfills with the methane emissions. And we do expect, of course, that that uh, that sur our surrounding countries will also develop in terms of their waste management uh, during the the coming years. So therefore, it it uh, it kind of makes sense to say that from a climate perspective, it's okay today, but not in the long run. I would say that one thing that was, and it makes sense because we are importing into a more and more clean energy system. So if we have the same kind of share of plastic in the residual waste as today, then, you know, we're just making our energy system dirty with the waste coming in. But but if we, if we can do a CCS on the waste, then we can be in a different position where, where it's not such a big problem that we have some some fossil emissions and where we can even capture the biogenic CO2 via carbon capture and storage. Um, but also we showed that that in a, in a few instances, actually the waste that we import is displacing biomass. And if that biomass is not very sustainable, then uh, waste may actually also have a beneficial uh, impact, particularly, of course, if that waste is... Uh, from biogenic origin. So, of course, if, if we can import biomass waste instead of importing virgin biomass, then we might have a, a positive balance as well, also in the future. That's a very novel perspective, which I don't see applied that much. I think traditionally biomass is discussed, displaced with electrification and so on and so forth, but, but this displacing by waste is an interesting perspective as well. Essentially, I guess this is a planning support tool, and I think you also mentioned it as a, like you do it in order to be able to plan your your waste system. Yeah, and what we do a little different is well, two things is one that we have a super uh, very detailed uh, resolution, spatial and temporal of the energy system. We found that was not usually done like that, especially for example with wind, because there is a question like. Will incineration have a role to play with super high integration of wind because the needs of your electricity system are different and your waste incineration plant usually provides electricity on a constant basis. So, so that was relevant to, to include and to challenge that uh, general comment. So which contexts does your findings apply? Is it Denmark only or do we say that, that countries with a lot of district heating, this would probably generally apply? So the methodology developed will, could be used potentially to any other country as long as the models are fed with the right data. But the results I will apply basically to countries with very large shares of district heating uh, where the use of the waste is maximized. So you don't only produce electricity, but you also produce a waste. 
So I think you, you mentioned in your paper that the methodology is data-driven, so that was essentially also what you said. So so if as long as we feed it uh, with the right data, then, then it should be possible to transfer uh, elsewhere, perhaps even to Mexico. Yes, maybe in the future. <laughs> Then uh, let's let's turn back to this concept of a pan-regional approach. So you suggest uh, this pan-regional approach when 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 you're looking at waste. I would guess that that part of it is, is that that you have a model-induced characteristic because you model it in a model that optimizes the society as a whole. But I guess perhaps also it's a, for a more efficient market in reality. Or how how would you say? and define this pan-regional approach? Marie was uh, already talking about it, that when we look into what's the optimal treatment of waste, we should not look at it from kind of a Danish point of view, but rather a global point of view, because that's also the point of, of emissions. When we do modeling, we only optimize just one thing. In this case, it's the total cost of satisfying energy demand in Denmark and the surrounding countries, and then the total cost uh, of treating waste. So we don't look if this will have a higher or lower impact in a specific country, but we look from a society point of view. We don't cluster it to any specific country. From a society point of view, it might become that the emissions, for example, in some country, increase, but it doesn't mean that uh, from a global point of view, they might actually decrease. So the point being there is like, what's more important, that the emissions in in my country decrease or that the emissions at the European level, for example, will decrease. Mm. And the regional approach is that also it's, it's a way to challenge the proximity principle with regard to the residual fraction of waste. So acknowledging the fact that if possible and if, if it's optimal, waste should always be treated as close as possible where it is generated because we will minimize the environmental impact associated to transport. If it's the case that we can make a better use of the resource somewhere else, then a pan-regional approach is preferred. And then another point for introducing the pan-regional approach is because there are different waste taxations in Europe. So what is happening is that we see uh, waste imports and exports based on different on taxes rather than different on the optimal use of waste. So uh, our article suggests that this should be avoided. And the only way where we can avoid it is to have a pan-regional approach. The recent Danish energy agreement includes, or that's a climate agreement, I think, includes a mandatory reduction in overcapacity of incineration plants. So do you find this to be in line with your, with your research and, and results that, that you have? Yes, I think it is in line in, in the sense that, um, that we find that, that we need to adjust the capacity to the, to the Danish uh, residual waste uh, in the future uh, because we, we don't find that the current import of waste uh, will keep on being sustainable. However, um, we did mention in the report that if we were to import 
biomass-based waste, uh, this could change. And also that, uh, that we, what we didn't look into was this possibility of using carbon capture and sequestration. So there could be maybe space for a bit more, but uh, in general, it's a good idea to re reduce the capacity. And we also found that in general, I mean, moving towards the more centralized plants where you have huge district heating grids available that can really take off the heat uh, because we need to treat the, the waste continuously uh, also has benefits. So, so efficient large plants seem to be um, quite a uh, um, persistent result in the, in the analysis. And if anyone is sitting out there with a bag of money for research on the role of uh, CCS, then uh, I'll provide you Marie's email address in the notes <laughs> of this episode. But it, it just they just got money to to do it at uh, AMA for planning. Exactly. Or, uh, yes. Center. So that's a that's a Danish plant in Copenhagen where where they experimenting with uh, with CCS or starting to experiment. Um, if we're looking into the future, uh, is there uh, any other aspects that, that you see coming up for, for waste uh, buzzwords like the zero waste economy and, and we've already touched on the circular economy and so forth. Is there any other aspects that you would like to address that you see into the future? CCS has been co uh, mentioned a couple of times. Uh, and maybe I could just add to the, the comment before on kind of Danish state of Danish politics because they are also kind of looking into having a more liberalized uh, waste market and 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 the challenge being that actually what we found was that it's very economical to import waste i mean and if you get money to import it and you can uh, get a good income on the on the energy products you sell then it's it's a nice business so 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 what we found was that well if you liberalize it, you'd probably see more import than you do today. And therefore, maybe it is a good idea to have some um, to have some kind of, of uh, control over the, the waste incineration capacity so that it doesn't just become in the future a waste import uh, country. Because we don't see that that is a climate benefit. That's a good point. And maybe just a clarifying question here before we end. The uh, the, the waste incineration plants that imports waste, um, do they actually pay for that waste or do they get paid for taking that waste? They get paid. Right. They get a good price because the alternative for the for the waste producers in the country where it's from is to pay for, for disposal. And that's also uh, expensive. So... Uh, so as long as you can, and, and often, I mean, it also has taxes implied uh, to try to avoid too much disposal. You pay taxes for disposing. And and so so in that sense, to bring back to what Amalia says, waste is, is not per se an energy resource. Waste is an environmental problem and um, that we need to manage and then when we've recycled what we can and, and managed it in, in, in other ways, we might be left with a residual and that residual can may provide some energy. And also looking forward, I, I see some interesting projects looking into, for example, um, 
pyrolysis of plastic wastes. I mean, plastic you can't really recycle because it's dirty and mixed and, and whatever. Uh, so plastic wastes, uh, using pyrolysis to produce kind of an, an oil again that you can then recycle and refine to plastics again. So you can, you can have this more circular uh, economy and you may gain energy in that process as well. So I think I think the use of pyrolysis and gasification for cleaning and and helping in recycling more of these uh, um, more of these waste fractions is quite interesting uh, topic to look into. But we didn't we didn't manage that in this project. So here we just we focused on insulation, which is a cheap way of of handling the residual fraction. Right. Just occurred to me that uh, I I know you said it's it's not to be considered a, a comparable resource to to other fuels, for instance. But actually, you do here have a fuel with a negative uh, fuel cost. And and whenever we discuss this uh, regarding le- electricity, uh, people raise their eyebrows, and that's a situation to minimize quite a lot. And recently, we have a, a, had a negative oil price in the U.S., which sparked headlines across the world. But here, uh, that's the everyday uh, business uh, that you actually have a fuel that uh, that has a negative price. So I find just uh, an interesting distinction between other kinds of fuels, at least. Yeah, but you 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 would like to be able to pay the negative price, right? Or rather, receive the positive income of using the fuel. So yeah, so but of course the payment comes because it is an environmental problem and what else would you do with it? Right, right. So before we end, I've I've certainly learned a lot during our discussion and and by reading your two papers, of course, we'll link to both of them in the uh, notes to this episode. But on another note, uh, perhaps uh, in uh, this final section of the podcast, which I call the peer review, uh, you may have some recommendations for our listeners uh, that that they should look further into. So anything, anything goes. I was thinking of uh, I saw recently on, or well, not so recently, but in in connection with the with the Corona quarantine, there is a guy at um, um, is it. Is it Oxford? I I forget his affiliation, but he started like a, a series of webinars on energy modeling, um, and so I think that's that's quite interesting to to uh, link up to, and uh, you can just access him. We, we can provide the link, and and you can sure. be part of those free webinar series with discussing energy modeling, and also um, I noticed that, or, and we are part of a cooperation with the with Dartmouth University, where there's an um, interesting webinar series on energy economics and policies and so on. So I guess those two uh, webinar series I would uh, I would recommend. Those were really good recommendations. Of course, we'll provide the uh, the links to all, all that we've mentioned during this episode. But uh, I just want to say thank you very much. I really enjoyed our discussion today. I learned a lot about waste and my... 15 years ago self has certainly has his horizon on waste expanded today i think you're welcome and thanks for inviting 
Thank you for inviting Daniel. As always, you can find links to the resources mentioned in the podcast in the notes to this episode. I'm very happy to hear your comments, so get in touch with me, Daniel Sneel. My details are also in the notes. If you rate us in whatever platform you're using, you may also help the research reach new ears. Sound design is by Dear Caesar, and the podcast is hosted by Technical University of Denmark's Sustainability Division. We publish whenever there is new research and when we can make schedules meet. So consider Energy Policy Cast more as a surprise gift in your podcast feed than a regular broadcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>